Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mama Wears Athleisure. I am your host, Mariella de Santiago, a first-time mom. We focus on all things mom with tips to help make life easier and more organized for all you mamas out there. Hi, everyone. Today, we are here with Edwina from My Little Eater. We're going to talk a little bit about baby lead weaning and purees. Hello, and thank you so much for having me here. Um, so my name is Edwina Kennedy, and I'm a registered pediatric dietitian, and I'm the mom behind My Little Eater. So we're an online-based education, feeding education company, where our main mission is to provide confidence to parents who are trying to raise healthy little ones. So we offer um, online courses and lots of free content on our blog and Instagram for how to start solids for babies, six to 12 months of age, literally everything that you need to know, whether it be transitioning from purees to finger foods, which is sort of our sweet spot. And we've come to be known for that lately um, for, you know, just the amount of great information that we have on that and the ability to reduce anxiety levels and parents who are, who are looking to make that transition, but then, you know, also like when to start solids, what foods to start solids on, how to overcome, you know, fears of gagging and choking, feeding schedules, every single thing you need to know. And then we also focus on preventing and managing picky eating in toddlerhood. Toddlers really start to change their behaviors. I should say babies start to change their behaviors starting at around 10, 11, and 12 months of age onwards. And so we really help parents to feel confident knowing what those changes are going to be, knowing how to tackle it to prevent. And again, even manage picky eating. If you're already in that stage, we have a, a full feeding toddlers online course that tackles that as well. I love that your Instagram does show a lot of the, this is like an option for baby led weaning, but this is also an option for purees. And for myself as a new mom, when I started to feed my baby, Everything is baby led weaning. So I thought that we would try it. And it was just too scary for us that we opted to start off with more of the puree route and then gradually increase to where now we're at the baby led weaning stage. Can you share a little bit more about what is baby led weaning? And then we can get into the differences between both. Yeah, 100%. And actually, just to kind of feed off of what you just said there, this is such a common feeling. And it's something that we have been hearing over and over and over that, you know what? Yeah, baby led weaning is like the newer option, the newer way of starting solids. And I'll explain how that works in just a second. But it's sort of made to feel like if you started on purees, that's not good. And that's something that we're super passionate about busting that myth, because your baby can have all of the benefits that are always touted about baby led weaning. Even when starting with purees, there's just a way of easing in that you're doing in a timely way that's going to help reduce your anxiety as a parent and is going to help your baby advance in those skills. So let's kind of define what baby led weaning is and how it's different from puree feeding. So baby led weaning, it's a newer, I say newer form of eating or starting solids because it started around probably about 10, 11 years ago. And uh, essentially what it is, is giving babies whole foods that are usually finger-shaped foods to self-feed on from day one. So you're skipping purees altogether and you're just going straight to like table foods that are soft and squishable. And you usually want to make sure that they're um, soft enough that you can squish them between your thumb and forefinger. That's sort of like the telling rule. And the idea behind it is that your baby is ready developmentally to be able to self-feed and that they are able to control the way the, that mealtime works. You know, they're controlling the pace of the meal they're controlling how much they're taking in. They're eating more variety in foods typically because, you know, if it's done well, you're giving them 
you know, different types of foods that are safe from your own meal, right? So you're introducing a larger variety and varying foods day by day. Whereas traditionally puree feeding, the way it's been done is basically you're offering mashed or very kind of thinly pureed food on a spoon. You know, the way it's been done is always kind of, or maybe one or two types of foods for a few weeks. Sometimes, you know, you might be on like four to five foods over a couple months, but it's not progressing in a quick way. And also like, so that's from a flavor and food type perspective, but also from a texture perspective. And so what the research has kind of shown over the years is that babies who have been held on purees for too long, so meaning multiple months, especially past nine months of age, that is what is kind of causing babies to lose that opportunity to like develop their oral motor skills, which is all those skills skills required to chew food of different textures and swallow foods of different textures and, you know, maybe be kind of stuck on purees if they're not advanced onto finger foods by around that time. The messaging online is like, well, that's why baby led weaning is so great. This is why you should do it. But really what we're here to teach at My Little Eater is like, no, you can start with purees and it's very natural to do it. And all we want to do is make sure that you're swiftly progressing your baby on in textures once they show the signs that they're ready to move on and you've built up some of your own confidence as well. I love all of that. I love that idea with baby led weaning about, you know, you are feeding baby essentially the same foods that you are eating. And we did that, but we kind of did it in a combo with purees where we would just blend it in a tiny little food processor and give him whatever was safe for his age to eat. Wait to season it with like salt or any spicy spices before giving it to him. So we definitely went more of that puree route just because of that. Also nervousness of as new parents, it was really hard for us to tell, is he gagging or is he choking? And I'm sure that this is a common thing that you probably hear. So I do want to get to that in a little bit. But before we do, what are some signs to look for to tell if a baby is ready to start solids? And typically about what age is that? So whether you're starting with purees or baby led weaning, the age or the time, I should say, when your baby's ready to start solids is about the same. So you want to look for actual physical developmental signs of readiness. One of them being that your baby has really good core support. So that means they could sit independently, generally independently, you know, for a decent amount of time that they're not going to tire out throughout the meal with an upright airway, you know, their, their torso is at a right angle to their hips and their legs. And that's going to, again, allow that airway to stay open. That's going to mean that food that's being swallowed is going to be swallowed more safely. And it's also going to coincide with the time that your baby is actually able to use that core support to reach forward, grab food and bring it to their mouth, right? So whether that be purees, they're reaching forward and putting some purees on their fingers, put, bringing that to their mouth or grabbing a spoon or grabbing a piece of finger food, it really doesn't matter. It's allowing baby to not only be kind of participant in the meal and not just a passive kind of member of the or participant in the meal. It's like they're actively doing it. So that's really important. But then also it's telling us that their body is saying they are ready to actually take in food safely. So that's one of the biggest things. Of course, head and neck control is going to happen, but that can happen earlier around four, five months of age. And that's often when parents also see that, you know, their baby's interested in solids and they're looking at the food 
food on the spoon and they're interested in what you're doing with your mouth when you're chewing that food. But while that's definitely important, it's not the signs that you want to go off of exclusively. You have to make sure that the other signs are there to make sure that it's actually safe and their digestive system is also ready. Those are the kind of three. Then the other one is that you want to make sure their tongue thrust reflex is diminished. So The tongue thrust reflex is basically if you put something like your finger or a spoon in front of your baby's mouth, right at their lips, they usually shoot their tongue out when they're younger. So it's like an automatic reflex and that's meant to keep things out of their mouth as their body. And, you know, starts to say, Hey, I'm ready to start solids. That's going to diminish. So you're not wrestling their tongue with the spoon. They're not automatically spitting every single thing out or pushing it out. You're actually able to get food in without there being a fight or a force kind of happening. Those are kind of the main things that you want to look for, for sure. And I kind of mentioned the last, which is just that ability to grab food, bring it to their mouth with decent precision. Again, this is going to take practice. It's not going to be perfect at all the first few times or even maybe the first few weeks, but it's just that ability. Can they at least grab some toys? Like, do they have that kind of motion happening where, again, it's a priming step to saying, hey, I'm ready to start solids. As I mentioned earlier, when we first started and we wanted to try the baby led weaning, it was just too nerve wracking because we just couldn't tell, is he gagging? Is he choking? And how can you tell the difference? But it is really scary as a new mom. So what are some common things that help parents out to either tell the differences or just kind of know how to help them out? That is like the number one common fear. And it's extremely normal to feel. If you're thinking about it from the perspective of, okay, they've only ever had milk for all these months, right? That's all they've ever put in their mouth. That's all they've ever swallowed. It's thin, it's liquidy. How on earth can they go from that to something more difficult, like, you know, a steamed carrot or, you know, even, even mashed avocado, you know, which might seem easy to some parents, but is terrifying for others, right? So how do they do that? So one of the first things that I always tell parents is look, gagging is something that is very, very different from choking and gagging is not dangerous whatsoever. So choking is where your baby's airway is blocked. Of course, that's a dangerous situation where you'll have to implement infant CPR. And it's definitely something where you need to act on. And But gagging is something that is, I want you to kind of think of it like if your baby coughs, you know, it's a reflex. Like, so, you know, you hit your kneecap at the doctor's office and like your knee kind of shoots up or your leg shoots up. That's a reflex that's innate. It's meant to be there just like that tongue thrust reflex that I just mentioned. No danger. Nothing is actually happening that should be scary if you know what it looks like. So with gagging, it can be really tricky to decipher in the beginning. Like, wait, like you said, is this gagging? Is this choking? I'm terrified. So I'm going to just intervene no matter what. But as you kind of watch videos, take some maybe courses, like again, the baby led feeding online course, or I have a free workshop that also really walks you through this. You'll learn that gagging is something that is, you're going to notice your baby is a lot more active in the gagging process. So choking, they're kind of still panicky. They can't move they, or they can move, but they don't really move. It's a very panicked look and they turn blue because they're not getting any air to their uh, you know, lungs. Obviously they also are not able to make any noise with a choke because with choking, again, if your airway is blocked, you can't cough, you can't cry through that. Whereas with gagging, you're going to see your baby actively trying to get something out of their mouth, right? So their tongue will be kind of rust forward a little bit. They may turn red because they'll be, could be straining a little bit to try and get that food out. Maybe their eyes water, 
but they're actually not in pain, but that you also might hear them cry or kind of cough or like, eh, eh, like make little noises. And that's an amazing sign. You're like, sweet, they're breathing. There's air. They're fine. All that's happening right now is their natural body process of trying to work out. Hey, what do I do with this food? Do I need to bring it to the front of my mouth? Can I spit it out? Can I, you know, reposition it to try it again? But again, no danger. And so this is a necessary, necessary step to actually learning how to eat. So if you think about a baby, who's trying to learn how to walk and they're trying to get up and then they fall and they get up and they fall and they get up and they fall. That is again, exactly like gagging. They'll put something in their mouth, they gag. They put something new in their mouth, they gag. Maybe something bigger or different, they might gag. So it's very protective and it's just a necessary part to learning how to do this. But it's not the goal to eliminate gagging, which is one of the you know really shocking things parents think needs to happen. Like, oh, if my baby's gagging, I've got to stop this. This can't be comfortable. This can't be good. But if anything, it's just, again, that learning process, just like we don't want to avoid a baby falling and they're learning how to walk. All we're doing is keeping their environment safe, but that's just necessary. So when babies are gagging, if you actually let it play out, and this is where it gets hard to, because you know, it looks scary, but as you get practice and as you get some education around this, you let it play out and you watch and your baby always will, you know, recover happily. When they recover, they go right back to eating. There is no stress. There is no fear. There is no kind of avoidance of food, unless sometimes Sometimes what can happen is we freak out. We make this big production. Oh my goodness, are you okay? Or get that food out of your mouth or pick them up and pat them on the back. And it's this big production. And sometimes that can cause them to feel stressed. Oh wait, something bad happened there. That must mean this is scary. I shouldn't be gagging. And then, or maybe that food is bad. And so sometimes you'll see babies have an aversion to certain types of foods or your mealtimes in general, if that's excessive or really affected them. So generally speaking, we want to try and stay calm. We want to try and let it play out. And literally it's, um, again, it takes practice. So I always recommend if you can watch videos of babies gagging, at least, you know, the outcome is good and you can start to decipher, okay, like I can actually look and see what are they doing in their mouth? You know? And again, I have lots of videos of this in my workshop and in my course, because I know that is like one of the best ways for parents to actually overcome that fear and to really be able to distinguish the gagging look between the choking look. I feel like you just described me with panicking whenever I would see him gag, because again, I couldn't tell if it was gagging or choking. And then he'd look at me like I was crazy. And then he would start crying. And today we had mushrooms in our breakfast. He takes big bites. He just loves food. So, you know, we look at him and like, oh my goodness. Okay. I'm not going to freak out. I just hope that he really chews it. And he was able to gag it out and just essentially spit out a big chunk of his food and just kept on going. It's really quite amazing when you are able to do that, how they learn to manage it. And, you know, sometimes I'll hear from parents, well, you know, you're crazy. If you think that I'm going to let my baby gag, what I really would love for parents to know is do your best to try and get to this point because gagging is what is going to help your baby progress. And gagging is not something that will just go away on its own with time. If in fact, the more you want your baby's gag reflex to diminish, the more you want to give them foods of different textures and more practice, because that's going to help teach their body as they learn what to do, their body's going to start to relax. And that reflex won't be as sensitive because their body's literally saying, Hey, I know what to do. I've done this five times before. So that's going to help diminish your baby's gag reflex. And it's more sensitive between six and nine months of age, which is that period where we want to make that transition from purees to finger foods or soft, easy finger foods to more advanced finger foods. 
because again of that sensitivity. And that means your baby's actually safer during that time. That gag reflex, it's firing away. But if we wait and we're like, uh-uh, I'm skipping this whole thing. I don't want this gagging thing to happen. I'll wait till they're older. That gag reflex, it'll be a bit diminished, but it won't, you won't have those oral motor skills built that they'll know what to do. So because it's diminished a little bit at that point, your babies could actually be in more danger trying to eat those foods or they're becoming more of a choking risk because they haven't built up those skills during that critical period. So now when they're trying to figure it out, the gag reflex isn't there to back it up. So I really encourage parents to like actually look at gagging as an amazing thing and let's use it to our advantage to be able to help our baby learn how to eat as many foods as possible in that time. And since we're on the topic of purees to baby led weaning, what are some ways to move from the purees to baby led weaning? Because I like really resonate with parents who are in the stage who are like, I want to start slow. I want to plan. I actually created a tool called the texture timeline. It's essentially dividing both purees and finger foods in different phases by texture. So you've got phase zero, which is really either thin and smooth purees, or it could be hard resistive whole foods, meaning it's a food that your baby can't bite into. You can't choke on, but it's a finger food shape. So your baby can start to like learn that motion of putting it in their mouth and mouthing on it and mapping out their mouth and reducing that gag reflex because it can't take bites into it. It's less anxiety provoking for parents. So that's kind of like the place you would want to start. Then you could move on to phase one on that texture timeline where I've categorized purees that are thicker, but could be smooth still or have very, very small lumps. So think of something like mashed banana or mashed avocado. A lot of parents feel more comfortable with that. And then you have for finger foods in that phase are going to be really, really soft options. Like again, maybe it's a a little thin piece of banana. So I've categorized them in ways that you can progress through because we've got phase two, which gets a little harder and phase three, which gets even harder. But you can move through that at a pace that you and your baby feel right. You can get used to gagging happening at those earlier phases so that you're not freaking out that it's like super dangerous or super difficult food. Once you do that, you feel confident on that, then you can move them up. I love that. Well, this kind of leads me to my next question. What are some foods to avoid? And then what are some foods to start with when they're first starting out with solids? So when they're first starting out, or really, I guess, up until 12 months of age, first of all, honey is going to be that one ingredient that's fairly easy to remember to avoid completely. And this doesn't matter whether it's pasteurized or it's unpasteurized or it's cooked in a baked good or not, because there's a risk of infant botulism. There's a bacteria toxin that can't actually be eliminated or killed even at extremely high temperatures. So that's one thing that you wait until your baby's immune system is more uh, mature before offering. So 12 months and up. The other thing, of course, is you want to be mindful about salt and, and sugar. So with salt specifically, it's not like you have to eliminate it completely. I know sometimes we're extremely worried about eliminating any ounce of salt in our baby's foods, but really salt is an important still part of any human's metabolism, cell mechanism, um, you know, body operation. So we have to have salt in the body. We just don't want to have anything unnecessary or excessive. So the problem is in most of us are eating things like pre-made sauces or marineras. Maybe we're having lots of cheese, lots of bread, and those all naturally just contain a lot of salt, right? If you can reduce it, the way, what I like to do is basically think of anything that you can make from scratch, make it from scratch, but don't stress too much. Your baby can have, according 
to the research, it says about 200 milligrams of sodium per day, but that isn't even based on anything specific. It's just a guess. So we kind of use that as a baseline, but some days know that your baby might have a piece of toast and it may have had a hundred grams of mil uh, or milligrams of salt, but that's okay because you can always mitigate that through other meals. Other days you have lower amounts of salt for sugar. You generally want to try and avoid sugar, added sugar up until actually around two years of age. Again, there's going to be those odd times where they'll get some and that nothing horrible is going to happen. But what happens is when you have these hidden forms of sugar, obviously it's decreasing the nutrient value of that food, nutritional value, I should say, but also it's kind of priming their palates to love more sweet foods. And we want to use this time as much as possible to try and get them towards the more bitter foods, you know, the, the vegetables or the meats or whatever it might be. When it comes to what foods you want to, of course, choking hazards, by the way, that's like almost another topic, but any, I'll just kind of summarize quickly round foods, slippery foods, and hard foods. Those three categories of foods are going to be the ones to avoid. Doesn't mean that you can never offer foods, some of those foods in those categories, but you want to modify them at least. So I do have a blog that has a whole list of all of the choking hazards. You can even download like a little kind of like cheat sheet for it, but that's definitely going to be important to learn. But then also knowing how to modify those foods is going to be important as well. In terms of what foods you want to include and focus on, I love to always say, honestly, babies can eat any food group right away. But what you do want to do is focus on high iron foods as much as you can. High iron foods are things like any meat product and certain types of fish. The plant-based ones are going to be things like beans, lentils, chickpeas. And the reason why you want to focus on those is because your baby's iron stores are naturally starting to deplete somewhere around six or seven months of age, right? And your body can't make iron on its own. So you have to get it through outside sources. That's why it makes total sense that starting solids at six months of age, that's when that process starts and learning how to eat those foods that are specifically high in iron is going to be really important so that by the time their iron stores are completely gone, they have um, no problem or issue because they're getting lots of it through their daily diet. Typically, I think around nine months, they do that test to see how much iron they have. Yeah, it's actually um, good that you bring that up because in Canada, they don't do that at all. Didn't know that Canada didn't do that. I actually didn't even know that they did it here until, you know, we go to his checkup and they have a list of everything that he gets done at nine months. So that was really nice because we are plant-based and we plan to raise him plant-based. His numbers are pretty high, which was really good. Any other tips, suggestions, or recommendations for parents that are getting ready to start feeding solids? I think the biggest thing is I want to make sure that solids and just the like kind of feeding journey in general is really fun, positive, and laid back. And that sounds really like generic and like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. But I will say that one of the biggest predictors as to whether your baby will be a good eater, an adventurous eater, and will love being at the table is if they're positive environments. So if you can sit with your baby and eat with them, or if you've already eaten or you're full, literally grab a cup of coffee or pretend nibble, anything like that, but just kind of have that like modeling happening. And then also that interaction happening with your baby at the table. So that's going to really teach them not just how to eat, but give them that positive interaction, that bonding experience. And then the, you know, least pressure that you can have at at mealtimes is going to be better as well. So trying not to focus so much on how much they're eating, rather just, you know, do your job of like, okay, I'm going to meal plan something that's going to be really balanced, but I'm going to let them trust their body, figure this out on their own, give it some time. And some meals will eat a lot. Some meals, they'll barely eat anything. Other meals will only eat the carrot. It's 
natural that it's going to fluctuate, but keep it really calm and positive, And you're going to see the best long-term outcomes that way. I love that you mentioned just eating as a family. We do that here for dinner. We can't do it for every meal, but I feel like now that he has this routine of he knows, oh, we eat as a family and he has his high chair, which is he only sits in when we're about to eat. It's exciting for him. I love to just see him get so excited. His arms start flaring everywhere. And, you know, it's like this enjoyable activity, not only for him, but also for my dogs who always assume their position. One is under his high chair. The other is standing by near for anything that may drop. 100% mine too. Mine does that. (laughs) So fun to just watch him experience explore these different foods. Initially, it was really tough, you know, with all of the mess. So having a dog is really handy for that, but it gets easier. And it is just really nice to see how they interact with food and how excited they get and that they're just not afraid to try it with everything that you're putting in in front of them anyway. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking time sharing all of your knowledge and I will definitely link your Instagram and it'll be in the show notes. So people can also go there and that should click directly to your page. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for our next episode. You can find us on Instagram for more updates and tips. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a review if you like us.